Yassi Baumel's with us, Director of Development and Public Relations at Makar Chaim Institutions, resident of Efrat for a long, long time, from the very first day of Efrat. And uh, there's no doubt, uh, as he described to us last week, um, he and his family obviously directly affected, especially when you think of those serving in the Army, directly affected by what's going on. And he always has an interesting take. Now that we're on day 11 of this war, he always has an interesting take on uh, the news of the day. Yassi Baumol, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Uh, good morning, Anachem. You know, there's a discussion raging here in Israel on the, in the media about what is the purpose of the media. Is it to encourage people or to, or to make people despair? For example, this morning on the radio here, somebody counted 18 negative articles in the first two pages of Haaretz newspaper, while uh, other places like Yediot, which are usually not so, pro, you know, not so upbeat, were pretty upbeat and you know and i understand that you felt that i was not i was too upbeat for the situation well so no, no, I, well this is not a discussion that we should be having on the air uh, we, I, we'll discuss this another time i'm curious about your take on the um on the announcement by the white house that the president of the united states is going to visit israel uh the trip is scheduled for tomorrow i'm very curious about you know how things work here in america and you certainly know how things work in Israel. I, I'm curious about the timing. I'm curious about the timing of the invitation by the prime minister. I'm curious about the timing of the decision by the president of the United States. Are you as perplexed by this as I am? Uh, I think we are. I, I can tell you that I have one. I had one view of it, but I heard FAA Tom speak last night. Uh, and uh, my my take on this is very simple. They're here to uh, make sure that we don't uh, overdo things uh, from a humanitarian point of view. Uh, I, they're also here, I think, to try and talk to the PLO with the uh, hope that on, the, on the American part that after this is all over, we, our boys will have sacrificed so much so we can hand over the Gaza Strip to uh, to the uh, Palestinian Authority, which I have something to say about that in a moment. So that's on, that's the negative side. On the other on the other hand, Fia Tom, who is went on and on about how this is a tremendous achievement. The fact that the United States of America, the world's superpower, is standing shoulder to shoulder with Israel, is coming, is that is sending their Secretary of State to sit in on, in the in, in the internal cabinet of running the war. That this is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous uh, show of support, which is worth a lot of ammunition, worth a lot of blood, worth a lot of violence. It's, it's a tremendous, tremendous. Um, boon for the state of Israel. So well, there's a to look at it. I get that perspective, and obviously I've got uh, respect for FEA Tom. But I'm more curious, you know, th this trip, I assume, would not be happening. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that, because the truth is Washington could put pressure on anybody to, uh, to make any decision and to invite anybody to anything. But if, in fact, this was an independent decision by Prime Minister Netanyahu, um, I mean, t you know, time will tell whether this was a good move or not, I don't know. Something about it just doesn't seem doesn't seem right to me. Like I just I, I feel like this is not the time for the president of the United States to be visiting Israel, especially based on what you just said. By the way, I, I get F.A. Tom's optimism and the optimistic side to all this. Believe me, I understand it, and I'm thrilled that the United States is reacting the way they have over the last eleven days. But I'm just concerned that uh, this visit is going to be 
an opportunity for the president of the United States to try to temper the um, the extreme anger uh, of Israel and its government uh, to try to convince it to behave a certain way in the Gaza Strip. It it, it just I don't know. I'm worried about it, frankly. I wouldn't worry so much. I think the Americans understand very clearly where we're holding right now and that any attempt by the government not to carry through on the promise to totally destroy Hamas and to achieve the goals of this war will cause the immediate downfall of the government with everybody quitting and and, spread, and nobody coming back to office afterwards. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, 87% of the people of Israel today want to completely, t- you know, take over the, the Gaza Strip. That's the latest poll. No, I hear that. Yossi Baumel's with us from Israel. Uh, President of the United States scheduled to visit Israel. Uh, trip takes place tomorrow. Now, I, I, I am sure in Israel it's different. People have a much, much bigger right to, you know, to, to weigh in with their opinions. And the majority of people, of course, in some way, shape, or form have served Israel, either on the front lines or in some other way. Um, so it's very different there. But I'm sure you're, you're surrounded by the Mideast version of armchair generals, the same way that I am surrounded and hearing every opinion from you know, all the armchair generals here. When people ask you, why Israel has waited this long? Is there an easy answer? Are we talking about waiting this long from the beginning of the war until the, until now that they haven't gone in yet? Or yeah, are we talking I about mean, the last 10, 15 years? No, I'm just, <laughs> very good. Let's start with the first one. I posted on Facebook yesterday my son's song from nine years ago. Uh, begging, basically the song says, BB, we left our families, we're on the border, we're ready to go into Gaza, let us go in. Right. You know, this is from nine years ago, the nine su- and a half years the ago. The summer of 2014. Correct, correct. So, you know, so that's that's one question. Right. Uh, I think people are, are giving him a lot of credit uh, as far as running the war. Um, there are people who are upset, people are impatient. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think I, and I have my complaints also, but the fact is that I think that he knows what he's doing. I think his handling of Biden is an understanding that Joe Biden inside his emotions, he has very good basic emotions and instincts. And, you know, and if it's a question of appealing to those instincts as opposed to letting his handlers handle things, then we, we're coming out ahead. And I think that's what he's doing with Biden by inviting him here. He's really bringing out what uh, Joe Biden's good instincts as opposed to, you know, the processed bureaucrat, bureaucrat, bureaucrats who will reprocess what he thinks, what he feels. It would be it would be a slap in the face to the American president. If the prime minister decided today, tomorrow, Thursday to start this ground invasion, right? It would be it would be a wrong diplomatic move. I don't think so. I think he wouldn't do it without telling them first. But I think it could be that Joe Biden is here to see the beginning of the invasion. You're you're being serious. I am serious. I'm serious. I think that they really uh, want to change the Middle East. And uh, and they wouldn't have bought all these aircraft carriers and all this stuff. I, I, there, something is, I don't know, I don't think it's just the elections that are coming up in the United States. I, something has switched, and I really feel that they're, they're, they're trying to do good things here. We have to be very careful because the end game is what's going to count because every time, and I think this, uh, this uh, relates to a point that I want to make about giving over the 
uh, Gaza Strip to the Palestinian Authority, this, there's going to be a lot of pressure to do this. And we have to remember that the only difference between there and, and uh, the Shomron and, and Yehuda is the fact that we don't let them do it. Whenever the Palestinians and the PLO and their brigades here were able to, we find the butchering of the Fogel family, right. we find the butchering of Halel Ariel, right. we find the lynch in Ramallah with the blood-stained hands. Right. The only difference is that we, we are here and there are Jewish settlements here and the Jewish settlements require Jewish army and therefore we are saving the entire state of Israel from the kind of violence that 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 uh, happened in the in the uh, Gulf uh, in the Gaza area, right. and this is a very important thing to remember. And it, there's going to be a big struggle about this when the war is over. And we have to remember that we cannot. In the end, I know it sounds almost uh, like crazy to say this, but there is no choice but to bring Anita Tucker back to her farm in the Gaza Strip. We need uh, the same towns that we destroyed and allowed the Arabs to destroy in 2005. The the history has shown without a Jewish presence in a place, we lose the control. I can tell you, even right down the road here, the new road between uh, Gush Etzion and and Kirat Arab, a beautiful new road. And on the old road where we used to drive all the time over there, all of a sudden there's terrorists picking up their heads again because the Jews aren't driving there anymore. Jewish presence means peace. Peace for us and peace for the Palestinians to go to work, to live their lives. As soon as we leave, the terrorists take over. And we must not let that happen this time. So when prime ministers of Israel have said to North American Jews who might be against some of the things they've done over the years in their negotiation with the Arabs, uh, when they say to us, if you only would have moved here, we'd be in a completely different situation, you would, you would uh, agree with that 100%? I'm not from the hardcore, you know, uh, blaming people why they don't come in Aliyah. I, I, you have to want to come here. Well, another hundred thousand Jews in Judea and Samaria would have made a big no, difference. No, there's no question. There's no, there's no question. There's no question about it. Uh, and uh, I mean, I could tell you that, you know, if if I sound calm, even though I have eight immediate family members in the army right now, if I sound calm, it's because I live in Gush Etzion, which is a heavily Jewish settled area. And yes, I just traveled to Tekoa to pick up my kids whose father is down in the, by the Gaza Strip, my grandchildren from Tekoa. And, uh, and uh, yes, I, you know, I, we ha- our yeshiva's new campus was attacked by firebombs last week. Yes, there are things happening, but still the overall feeling when there's a Jewish presence this peace, and you, they even let the Arabs come back to work uh, on, uh, when, when, when in, in such places now, which is you know, a question. But the point is, if we are here and we control and we are strong, then there is peace for everybody. Meaning, what they're Arab, they're, they're Arab workers in the Gush today? Yes, starting from yesterday, uh, not in our campus yet, <laughs> which we really need workers to to, to continue building. But uh, in the supermarkets, there and there's certain jobs, certain Arabs have come back. Even How many they opened school today? Uh, yesterday already. Schools open? In-person schools open? Schools in Gush Etzion are open. Mekorchem uh, came back this morning. Last night we had a wedding. The Kasowitz family, uh, uh, which has relatives in Teaneck and sure. in the five towns, sure. uh, a gr- our graduate made the first wedding in our yeshiva campus. They, had, they were looking for a place where they could make a relatively small wedding uh, because of the rules, and uh, the, we had a wedding last night in the yeshiva. Unbelievable. This morning I was talking to the, the uh, Druze guard who, uh, who shot at the uh, attacking Arabs who threw firebombs at our yeshiva last week. Uh, thank God there was hardly anybody there, but uh, we have families living there, and he was very concerned uh, 
about uh, the families getting injured, the caravans going up in flames, and uh, he chased them away. And uh, actually, we started on a whole campaign of, uh, of we, have, we have a lot of security needs that uh, need to be filled, and uh, we, we, we're in a campaign now to, to get to some of those things done. In the meantime, the Army has brought us four soldiers who are living in the yeshiva, uh, so we're okay, but, uh, but there's a lot of stuff we need to do to finish up the security, which we planned out a year ago. I think we planned the security for our campus better than the government planned uh, in the Gaza Strip because we, you know, uh, Korchaim had our students captured, you know, the, the sure. kidnapping of the three boys and, uh, nine years ago. And we were attacked once they broke into the Beit Midrash in Kvaratyon. So we were very sensitive to these things. We planned a lot of security components here, and we need to raise money for, for those things. Yassi Baumel with us from Israel. How many, uh, how many families in Efrat do you think uh, are without their husbands and fathers who are now part of the... Uh called up reserves in Israel. I mean, there's WhatsApp groups about what to do for the mothers and to watch the kids, and there's a lot. But in my neighborhood, we're all old, old fogies already. So, like, you know, so, like, uh, in my immediate neighborhood, not that many people wait. But just, just an example, and I'm just an average family. I have uh, two sons, three son-in-laws, and three grandchildren in the Army at the moment. Do you know where all of them are, or not necessarily? Uh, I do. I do. Only one of them is uh, near the Gaza Strip. He's on his way back, actually. Uh, his kids are here by in our house now. And he'll see his kids uh, for how long? Does he have to go back immediately? He, or is... he, he came back. No, this is my son-in-law who came back. For, he was in the States for the holidays, and he had to come back immediately. Uh, and he was in Tacoa. And he came back. He was away the entire time since, since the beginning of the war. He came back yesterday afternoon, and he's on his way back to his unit now. So he spent basically a day with the kids, or half a day, whatever right. it is. Yeah. Yossi Baumel with us from Israel. You always have an interesting perspective, especially when it comes to the episodes that we go through where they fit in in modern Jewish history, and really Jewish history in general. What are your thoughts as Israel goes through day 11 of this war? Well, first of all, I would recommend everyone to uh, read over Zechariah from the ch chapter 8 until the end. There are a lot of pro prophecies there. Some of them have come true already, some of them not. But, for example, just uh, as an interest interesting one, if you look at Zechariah, the Perak uh, Chet, Pasuk Tet, it says, V'haya ekron k'yevusi, it, it's talking about the various cities of the, of, of the Philistines, uh, and it says, Ekron Kiyavusi, the Ekron will be like Jebusite. It says the Radak that just like when King David c conquered the land of Israel, but Jerusalem was a foreign enclave uh, within the area of the Jewish area, and still the Jebusites still ruled the city of Jerusalem, so too in the times of Mashiach, there will be a, uh, such an enclave for the, uh, for the Philistines in the, in the area of the Gaza Strip. <laughs> So it's right there. It's all been, I know I gave a share about this, I think even maybe in the Mizrahi, I think about 15 years ago. <laughs> you didn't remember. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, also the Pasuk before says, Avad Melech mi Aza, and the uh, king of Aza will be uh, destroyed, whoever that is. There's lots of interesting stuff did that they, I want to go into they, here, but I, did, I would like to tell you, did they you get, may remember. Did they, that, did, they get the, did they get the majority of the kings? Because we keep seeing reports that every head of intelligence and every head of the... Uh, uh, of the resistance movement in the Gaza Strip, leaders of Hamas have been eliminated. Do you think they've gotten all of them at this point? 
Oh, far from it. Far from it. Most of them were mid-level guys. They didn't get the top guys yet, but uh, they'll get to it. You wanted to I just wanted to tell you, remind you that our two uh, interviews ago, before the war, you asked me about the political strife uh, in Israel. And I told you about the Kabbalistic idea of Nasira, where... uh, Adam was created uh, as a, and Eve were created together, facing up away from each other. Right. Then God cut them down the middle, and right. then they were able to reunite face to face. And I said, this happens with kids when kids rebel against their parents. They have to define themselves. Then once they define themselves, they can come back and love their parents again, right. and so on. And this happens with nations. It happened in Purim, and it happened whatever. Anyway, so I just want to point out that that division. That very division that was happening in the land of Israel just three weeks ago, which we were all talking about, has disappeared. Yeah. We've reunited in the most strong, wonderful new fashion. And it's, it's as Rabbi Lau often says, Jews know how to die together, but it's about time we learn how to live together. Yeah, no question about it. And it, and it, and it was at quite a, quite a price, quite a price, a very bloody, a horrible, horrible, un, un, unprecedented. But price. we do, but we do have to horrible. remember, and I know that you're alluding to it, but I'll say it directly. We do have to remember that uh, the one above felt that this is something that the Jewish people needed at this time, and I I, I don't know if it's in, if it's improper to put it that way. What do you think? Uh, I I also hesitate to. Uh, God's advisor or, right. you know, uh, backseat driver. Right. Uh, but it, it seems to be quite clear that we're being punished for our lack of unity. And, it, uh, and, and the, and the solution is to be a united and, you know, that, uh, in Jewish history, uh, unity trumps all, right? There are times when the Jewish people performed in not such a respectful manner toward the one above, but because they were reunited, they were spared any major punishment. Right. Right. That's the second temple period. Right. Uh, but uh, anyway, that's the story, and uh, I really feel for the people in the United States. I know that it's difficult for us, and we are suffering, and we have a lot of problems. Uh, but but I, you know what? It, it, a lot of people are telling me they have the feeling that they're sitting up in the bleachers while we're down here playing the game. Yeah. And it's a totally different feeling. And therefore, I would highly recommend to everyone sooner or later, to come down to the playing field and uh, get involved in the game here rather than watching from the bleachers yeah. uh, out in New Jersey. Get, get involved. I think that's where you are now. Yeah, get involved in the real, in the real game instead of sitting on the sidelines. Uh, no question about it. Any, um, <laughs> any, any uh, boy, i got to be careful how I ask this question. Any comment about those who've chosen this time to take an unscheduled trip out of Israel? Uh, those who uh, were supposed to be in Israel for a for a long period of time, but made the decision to uh, to escape as soon as they could. Oh, thank you for reminding me. I have to cancel my vacation flights that I ordered with, with the law. <laughs> uh, look, I, I don't want to be the one to say this, but the Lubavitcher Rebbe, there was a video going around about somebody who came who visited the states. Uh, was staying in the states for a while, and he went back. Hasidish guy who wanted to go back to Israel. And he told the Rebbe that his wife doesn't want to go back. She's afraid. He says, you're afraid to live in the land where the eyes of God are there from the beginning of the year till the end of the year? You're afraid? Yeah. And we, ha- we heard many stories about in previous times when people left here. 
Uh, I, look, there may be practical reasons. I mean, yeah, if the, I yeshiva's, I the, the yeshiva isn't working or not running, you know what? So the guy's going to hang out on the street. Instead right. And that's get wh- that's I why I say that. I'm never I'm never going to advise someone one way or the other. That's a decision with that children and parents have to make. But I felt it's an opportunity to ask you what you think about the whole thing. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, I know I know people who came to Sukkot. And uh, some of them stayed longer instead of shorter. Some of them stayed shorter instead of longer. And some of them stayed out. Well, there, there you're talking about a real practical issue usually. I'm not, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people who, you know, planned on being there for quite a while. I'm obviously not talking about people, who, you know, who needed to get back to work, you know, 10 minutes after you ended. That I get. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm not here. I'm seriously not here to judge anybody. I'm just trying to encourage people. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm absolutely. here. I'm here to people. encourage people, like you said about the Rebbe and other leaders who've said it. Uh, I don't know if you heard this. There's a there's a, an audio going around. Rabbi Wine was speaking to some of his former Talmidim. They were looking for chizuk during this time. Rabbi Wine's obviously in Jerusalem, and the gentleman asked. Um, uh, a gentleman started by asking uh, Rabbi Wine what he thought about. Uh, you know, should I bring my son home? My son is now in Israel. Should I bring him home? So Rabbi Wine says, what does he want to do? Meaning, what does his son want to do? So the guy says, well, he, he, he wanted to join the army Monday morning, meaning the morning after Shemini Atzeret. So he wanted to join the army. So it's like, you know, if he wants to stay and be inspired by whatever he could do here, why on earth would he go home? And I, I thought that was an interesting approach. Parents very often make decisions for children. Um, and th- this I can say because I encourage independent thinking among the youth. Uh, and they, they don't consider what, you know, the child ultimately really wants to do. So. Anyway, not to judge anybody, just to encourage people to keep Israel at the forefront. Don't treat it, as Roy Riskin always told us, Yossi Baumel, don't treat it as Disneyland. Treat it as our homeland. Don't just head there for vacation. Absolutely. Head, head there when necessary. And Absolutely. Uh, and on a practical level, Jerusalem, Gush Etzion, a lot of areas are relatively quiet and relatively life goes on. Day-to-day life goes on uh, in a sort of normal fashion. So if, so I've, if, I, I've, I, if I visited you, I'd get a relatively good night's sleep, you're saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm I, I'm lucky that my office, my home office, is in my mamad, so I don't have to go anywhere. Right. But uh, we we don't. I mean, we had th- only three alarms here uh, in Efrat since the beginning of the war, and there haven't been any in the last uh, week or a few days uh, already. So, have you heard of any? Have was, you heard of any families from the south that are coming to your community? Uh, yes, we have uh, in Kvaratyon. There's a group of, from Shlomit. We here in, Ef- in Efrat. We have a group from state, from uh, also from some, uh, some other place. Uh, I forgot which one. Wow. We're doing their laundry actually, uh, and I actually reached out to Roy Fendel and I offered that we have a big house. We house people from Steirot, but so far they prefer to go to the uh, government-paid hotels that right. they're taking them to in the meantime. I so, hear that. Oh boy, I'll tell you how, how bad do you feel? I mean, obviously there are people in much worse circumstances, especially those who are relatives of those who've been killed or abducted. But still, those who've been displaced. I mean, uh, we got to do whatever we can for them. Um, you know, somebody somebody pointed out that uh, Gush Katif has been abandoned for close to 19 years, the same amount of years that Gush Etzion was abandoned. And, uh, you know, maybe it's time to go back. Wow. But there are places there that have been totally wiped out. There are stories there. There are communities there. There are heroes there that our kids will study in history the way we studied what happened in Gush Etzion uh, in 1948. I never even thought uh, of that. You're right. It's one of the greatest. Uh, no, there's one I of mean, the greatest. Sto- one of, already, one of the greatest stories of heroism in modern Jewish history, and now more of them are being created. You're right. Yes, I, it's, it's like you know, it's 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 strange to sort of live history. Yeah. 
Hundred percent. The, 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 I mean, think of it this way: the nineteen twenty, nineteen twenty nine riots in Hebron. Yeah. One hundred and twenty people were killed altogether throughout the entire country. Sixty seven to sixty eight in Hebron. Yeah. That pales in comparison to what happened under a uh, sovereign Jewish state. Yeah. Think about that. By the By the way, nineteen years from Hebron till the establishment of the state, also. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Thank you, Yossi. God bless. Uh, stay safe. And please, our dash ham to all eight of your family members who are now serving in the Israel Defense Forces. Okay. Thank you very much, Nachum, for this opportunity. And my best wishes to all of you over there. More Take care. Thank you so much. More coming up. It's Tuesday. It's JM in the AM. <laughs>